header. Here is Mandrew. Sakon in position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! But this is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh, my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there, and you're welcome to LOI Arena, episode two. It's myself, Con Murphy, and Conan Byrne with you again, LOI Arena, brought to you by the team at Pundit Arena, who are as passionate about Irish football as Conan and I, so they are investing in LOI Arena, and they plan to grow a new uh, offering covering all things Irish football. The first three podcasts, as we were saying last week, are free to download at punditarena.com forward slash LOI, and you can become a member of LOI Arena for just... $3.99 per month. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LOI underscore arena, uh, hashtag LOI arena, and email LOI at punditarena.com if you want to get in touch with us uh, that way as well. So, um, Conan, first things first, you did uh, you got injured uh, last week, so I presume you had the weekend off from a playing point of view yourself. Yeah, we. Um, <clears throat> I got injured on Tuesday. I got to, uh, play the first 20 minutes and then just felt... I felt my hamstring, so I suppose with uh, with the years catching up on me a little bit, um, and with the hamstring injuries that I've had over the years, you kind of always know when um, know when a, a situation is is bad. So I felt I did a little acceleration, which isn't that quick anymore, and <laughs> and um, yeah, I just felt it. And I think if I had played on more, I would have done more damage. So thankfully, I think I got it got it quite early. So right. I'm expecting it only to be maybe a 10-day, two-week thing, please God. So, uh, okay. yeah, the, the Glenavon had a great result yesterday up in Coleraine. Um, Coleraine second in the table. And, um, yeah, we probably should – well, probably draw would have been a fair result. But for first half, I thought we dominated. And, um, yeah, it was a great point up there in the end. So, um, full credit to the, to the boys for getting that result. Yeah, and a good win in the game that you got injured in. What was it, 4-0 against 4-0, Dungannon? Yeah, 4-0 against Dungannon. Yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, just to, just, yeah, just, I suppose just to let it, um, viewers know, like because it's an away game, I, um, players don't that aren't in the squad can't travel due to COVID. So for home games, obviously the whole squad can go because it's your home venue. But for an away game, you can only have the, the, the squad that's going to be on the field or on the bench plus the, plus the backroom team. And that's all that can go. So... um. Yeah, unfortunately, I I couldn't go to the game yesterday. That there's a, a plus side to it, though. It gave you a chance to watch a lot of games on Watch LOI and uh, LOI TV as well. So uh, let's talk about them. And and I suppose the place to start is Tallah Stadium. The match between Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk on Friday night, two one win for the Hoops. Um, Rovers now twenty four matches unbeaten. If you take last season and add it on to. Uh, this season, um, Dundalk no wins in their first three fixtures. First time that's happened since season 0102. Um, if you're in the Dundalk dressing room, are you getting a little bit worried, or is it way way too early for that? Um, I think it's a, bit, a little bit too early. Obviously, they'd be disappointed with the with the start they made. But, but listening to Shane Keegan after the game, I completely agreed with what he had to say. Um, in terms of the performance of, of Dundalk, I thought they were really really good. Con, um, I thought that they tested. Alan Manis more so than they tested Alisi Abibi in the Dundalk goal. Um, and I think it was the tale of two goalkeepers. I think that was the, the narrative, I suppose, after the game was was that seemed to be the a lot of people were talking about. Um, I put out a tweet saying um, about Alan Manis is doing what, 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 uh, 
what Gary Rogers, Rogers should be doing for for Dundalk, and that that's just the I suppose Alan Manis with the age he was, with the age he is, and uh, Gary Rogers retiring. I feel maybe a little bit early. He probably obviously has his own reasons, um, but I see Abibi doesn't seem to be the type of goalkeeper that uh, that a top team needs, especially if Dundalk are going are, are looking to make make waves in Europe again this year. Now, look, it's very, very early days. I'm not putting any any criticism on, on Abibi. He's, he's coming into this league. He did really, really well in the in the President's Cup game. Um, but I feel he should have, he definitely should have saved the second goal. The first one was a wonderful, wonderful strike by Danny Mandreau. And it, um, I, I just, he just, I, I don't know. He just didn't put it, didn't, he think he lacked conviction in trying to save it. Um, but having said that, it was a wonderful strike. But yeah, going back to, I think Dundalk do have, um, they'll be a little bit worried but I was impressed with their performance um, I thought they were they created a number of good chances hit the woodwork numerous times and Alan Manis um, like many times before has has been absolutely um, was absolutely superb on the evening it shows you how important a good goalkeeper is to any team though doesn't it you know Manis was really um, brilliant Dave Campbell was sitting uh, quite close to me he was scouting for Sligo who obviously Shamrock Rovers play next week and uh, at one point during the second half there was a lovely passing movement and actually both teams were playing really nice football and Dave just said to me I'd love to find somebody to pay 15 euros for <laughs> to, for this because the quality of the actual football that was played in the match was really good it was very very impressive um like the, the likes of Jorkovskis, Jurkov, um, or Jorkovsky, should I say, he's um, like three games in a week um, for, for Latvia. And then to come in in, a, in, in probably the biggest game of the, of the League of Ireland season so far, um, to perform like he did at, in, in an unfamiliar left, left wing-back role, he's more of a, more of a right-back, um, I thought he was really, really good. Um, obviously, Alan Manis was, was excellent, I, but I love Chris McCann. I, I, I've said it a few times already. He reminds me of, of Stephen McPhail when he came back into the league. So composed. His, I'd love to see his pass completion rate as well because he just doesn't give the ball away. And it's not always about... He doesn't give the, give the ball back. He doesn't pass the ball backwards all too often. He's always looking for that penetrating pass into the number 10. And as I said, it, it comes off um, more often than not. Um, I... I, I I'm going to ask you as a, as a fan, Con. Um, how do you find Shamrock Rovers this season compared to last in terms of the midfield area, like O'Neill, McAniff, and Byrne of last year, McCann, Finn, and possibly Mandroyo if you want to put him in there for this year? Yeah, I think that goal will do Danny Mandroyo's uh, confidence the world of good. Um, it's like we are three games in Conan, so it's very hard to make any really significant judgment on any of the teams. But uh, you know, I think any team that loses Jack Byrne. And Aaron McAniff, I think at this level, almost virtually impossible to uh, replace. McCann looks like a brilliant signing. Um, if Mandroya can keep popping up with the goals, you have the likes of Dylan Watts. Gary O'Neill can't get into the team at the moment. Um, so there's still strength there, but uh, I think it's not as much of a threat going forward without Jack Byrne pulling the strings. And um, there's going to be a lot of I think focus on Mandroyo and on uh, Graham Burke as well to see if they can keep popping up with uh, goals. But um, the early signs are, I mean, they're playing really good football. And the fact that they were able to defend so well without Pico Lopez, who was obviously in quarantine, and then Joey O'Brien, who was unavailable on the night, shows the sort of strength and depth that they have at the back. You know, to have players like Sean Hoare um, and um, the other lads who were playing Lee Grace at the back the other night did well. Um, 
So I think they're, you know, I think they're still a good unit, but maybe not quite as much of a threat without uh, Jack Byrne. But still, I, by the way, when uh, the sub came on at halftime, Ole Eric Mitzgogen, who, uh, according to Wikipedia, he's only six foot five. He looks about six foot eight when you see him. <laughs> like the jersey hardly covers the top of his shorts. He's so tall. Um, he's going to put the fear of God in defenders, I think, uh, for particularly corner kicks, set pieces and so on. When when Sonny, not as Sonny, yeah, Sonny as well. Bad. I mean, every corner kick, every free kick is going to be really dangerous. So, I mean, I know Dundalk have made a wobbly start, but I think on the evidence of what I've seen, I think they've plenty there to, to build on. I think they're going to be strong. Um, Finn Harp, Sligo, Pats, all joined top of the table on seven points at the moment. Sligo, I mean, Liam Buckley keeps saying they're not playing great, but they keep winning matches, which is a, a good sign. Gary Buckley with the winner against Longford. Uh, Finn Harp still going well. Um, one up against Drogheda. Great goal by Carlos Sullivan. You would have been happy with that one yourself before uh, Mark Doyle equalised at Head in the Game Park. And Pats, you know, I saw a good bit of the um, Bowes-Pats match at Daly. Roland Cochran with the, uh, with the header. And Pats are looking... Everybody keeps saying they look really fit at the moment. I don't know if that struck you. You know, it did. Absolutely. Um, is it? Yeah. And I, I'm really impressed with Pats this season. But I'd, um, I do, I, I love the, I, I love being proved wrong as well. I, I said Ronan Coughlin may, may struggle for goals this season, considering he, um, he only got six in the league last season. But he's already got two from three and he looks really, really good. Um, I, I love him as a footballer. Um, his link-up play is absolutely fantastic. And I just wanted though him to convert the chances that maybe that, that Pats would create for him and and thankfully he is. It's Pat's first win over Bowes in, in ten league games as well, which was which was huge going back to I think March two thousand and eighteen when Dean Clark scored in a one 0 win at Dalymount Park. So a nice nice little bit of um I don't know, a nice omen to score to get to get the win yesterday at Dalymount. And they, they played really, really well. Um for Bowes I think it's gonna be a, a real problem um in front of goal. Um I have, I have a big fear from in that department. It's very, very difficult losing the likes of, like Andre Wright, for instance. Um, he was one, he, he was the hold-up player, brought others into play and managed to get in the score sheet. Um, Danny Grant, obviously, with his pace, power, um, technical ability and finishing. And um, Chris Twardick as well for his directness and getting balls into the box. And with those three players now, um, now, now having left Daly Park, it's going to be very difficult for any player to replace them, and they're they are struggling in that department. Um, you could throw Mandroyo into that mix as well, although he didn't play too many games yeah. towards the end of last season. He's still another loss for them. Absolutely, yeah. But you do have the likes of Keith Ward or Dawson Devoy that could come into to, into his role. Um, Dawson obviously is still still very very young. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's like. Keith Long said yesterday that it's like obviously it's not the, the the happiest start that he's made, but he felt that he should have taken some points in in all three games. Um, and yesterday they probably they probably deserved a result out of it. Um, if I'm being totally honest, but um, I'm delighted. Pats were I'm delighted to see Pats getting kind of back into the in, into the rhythm of how they they play their football. Um, I thought they're at the the their defending was excellent yesterday. Um. Captain in Birmingham coming back into the team as well, and um, yeah, I thought they they were they were really really good. So I'm excited, Colin, about seeing Pats this season. I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't at the start. I didn't think that they'd uh, they'd be up there come the end of the season. So we'll wait and see. But it's a, certainly a good start and a great great win away at. at 
Speaking briefly of a, a great wins away, Waterford get their first points of the season with that 2-1 win at Derry. Oscar Brennan uh, with the second goal after Shane Griffin's free kick had gone in. Cameron McJanet pulled one back for Derry, but Brennan uh, had his penalty save but was quickly onto the rebound. Mixed day for Oscar. He ended up getting sent off second yellow card, which I thought was very harsh myself. Don't know if you saw that challenge. <laughs> it did, um, yeah. um, actually, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, look, I don't think it was a, a second yellow anyway, but I, I'll give you a little story about Oscar actually. Um I played with Oscar at Shelburne and Oscar has this, um, he sees the red mist con from time to time. And um, there was a, what he did was um, with the manager, he put a little red dot on the, between his thumb and his index finger. And anytime he saw the red mist, he'd look down and see that red dot and that would calm him down. So that's what he did at when he was at Shelburne. So I was, I was going to say to him last night, he must have forgot to put the dot onto, onto his hand yesterday. But um, I, um, the other thing is, I don't know what he's doing taking penalties. <laughs> um, but no, Oscar's gone down there now. He didn't play much football for, for Shelburne last season. And um, knowing Oscar as well as I do, that would have disappointed him. He, he's the type of player that wants to be involved and um, been made captain down at Waterford this season will just give him the world of confidence even going forward and I'm delighted with the, to, to see him get on the, the score sheet um, he'll be a big player for them this season obviously I didn't think it was a red card I thought he won the ball um, but look that's just uh, the way it goes I think Derry are going to struggle uh, Con. Um, they're still a very young side no Joe Hodge in, in, in the squad either Like they, they lack experience um, their captain Owen Toll is only 22 years of age um, and they lack that attacking threat. There's no really, I can't see them scoring many goals this year, which is, I know Cameron scored from the from the set piece, but apart from that, they looked, they didn't look great. Danny Lapano hit the crossbar a couple of minutes to go. Um, so yeah, I, they're just a very, very young, inexperienced team. But, and even, look, take the, take the goal um, from, from Shane Griffin. The goalkeeper should never be beaten. And I don't know how you feel about it now, but when, when, he, when a keeper puts up a wall, you have to protect the side, the other side that, that you're going to be standing on, um, and you can't gamble. You have to, you have to trust your wall. Now, I've never been a goalkeeper, so I'm sure the goalkeepers' unions are going to be having a go at me over this. But I don't feel I feel that they should never be beaten on their own side unless it's an absolute worldie. But um, that was just a, a, a curler into the. Like, it was a great strike on, but it was. Um, I felt that if he had just trusted as well. It would have been an easy save for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Derry, obviously, without any points. They do have that game in hand against uh, Shamrock Rovers to come, so they've only played two. But uh, the only other thing I'd say about the Premier Division this weekend, um, before we move on to the first, um, it's a pity. Watch LOI. Three matches all kicking off at six o'clock at the same time. I know some people, I was looking at pictures on uh, Twitter, and some people have really, really impressive units on front of them with the matches on millions of screens and all that kind of stuff. I don't have that facility. Um, so I wish they'd just stagger the games a bit so we could, you know, uh, watch them at different times. I like to watch the games live rather than watching them when I know the score. But um, that's just something maybe for them to think about. Um, in the first division... This week, uh, week two in the first division, Shells three, Bray three. What a match. Uh, Cabin Teeley, top of the table, two wins out of two for them with a 1-0 win at home to Cork City. At Lone, going really well under Adrian Carberry. Again, early days, but a 3-1 win against Galway United. Treaty United, a big win for them. First one as they beat Wexford by a goal to nil. And then UCD looking really good at Cove on Saturday night with a 4-0 win. Um, lots of Lots of goals. Lots of good teams in that division. It's going to be hard to get out of. 
Yeah, I suppose we have to start with Atlone, Con. It's a, a magnificent victory over over Galway United. I don't think anybody may have saw that coming. I did mention in the the, the launch of the league a couple of weeks ago that Atlone were my dark horses, considering that the the experience and quality that are in their team. And what I've noticed is that, like, obviously there's Adam Wickstead, Stephen Meany, um, Aidan Frail, Dan McKenna. They've all won a first division in the last two years. Um, they've experienced Curtis Byrne, Killian Cantwell, Michal Schlingerman. Jamie Hollywood, they, these players have been around the league for, for a very, very long time. And then they have the technical quality of James Duna and really, really impressed with Dylan Hand. He was on, on, um, on loan at Longford last year. Confidence completely went from him. But he came up to it with, with Dundalk, really, really good, really, really, really technical. Um, and he started off the season very, very well. And what I noticed about that team, Con, is that every single person in that squad has a point to prove. A bit similar to what so it's that Stephen Kenny brought when he was um when he first came into Dundalk when the signs that he made everyone had a point to prove, um whether it's a point to prove to themselves, a point to prove to other managers, whoever it is, every single one has a point to prove, and um it shows Stephen Meany three goals two games absolutely flying and a, three goals in the first half an hour, it was a superb victory for them and um yeah best of luck to them going forward, um yeah Treaty getting their first win brilliant for um. For uh, Tommy Barrett, really, really good to get uh, to get off the mark so so early on the season, and that's four points from um, from six. Mark Ross, Con, you might have remembered from when we had we had him as a guest um, on the Greatest League in the World podcast a couple of years ago. He put up a tweet there um, yesterday. So since the start of the two thousand and seven season, Wexford have played one hundred and two league matches and have only won thirteen. So obviously a win percentage of twelve and a half percent, which is a one one win every eight games. So um, once a teacher, always a teacher. Con twelve and a half percent. Well done. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not. It's not a good record, though. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's not a good record at all. Um. So I don't know. Maybe they just have to look at, at bringing players through. Um. Sort concentrating on the academy structures down there. Um. So yeah, it's not a great stat at all. Cabin Teeley, obviously, they, similar to last season, Con, they got off to a great start as well, winning their first couple of games. I I really did fancy them against Cork as well, um, and I, I I was hoping that there'd be some good puns in the paper about heaven's OG. Um, didn't see any though, Con. But uh, yeah, it was a great victory for them and two wins out of two. And um, yeah, Talca Park, um, magnificent goal from from Brandon Cavan. I don't know if you saw it. Absolutely superb. Yeah, um, and both teams that like it's mad. You'd, you'd expect Bray, Shells, Galway to be up there come come the end of the season, and but they're all sitting in sixth, seventh, and eighth respectively in the division. So, um, yeah, it's going to, look the first division is going to be superb. But we didn't even mention UCD's four 0 win there. Cove, unbelievable victory. Yeah, Colin Whelan on a score sheet, Jack Keeney with a free kick. So, um, yeah, they're going to be a good side. And um, Liam Kerrigan is a is an outside tip for top goal scorer. I think he's. Um, I think he's playing up front this season, Con, and um, two goals and two two games. Not a bad start. Not bad, not bad. In the Women's National League, Piment weren't playing this weekend. Shells, 3-0 winners at Turner's Cross against Cork City. Great to see the women's team playing at Turner's Cross. Galway, 3-1 winners against Bohemians. DLR Waves played their first game, got a 1-1 draw against Wexford Utes. And Athlone and Treaty United played out a 3-3 draw. Shelburne, uh, six points out of six. And um, it looks like they're going to be amongst the... Uh, well, I mean, they are yeah. amongst the favourites with Piment. Yeah, well, they're my they're they're my uh, tip to win the league. Con um, Noel King has come in now and has has brought in some very very talented players. Um, brought back players to 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 that have played at at Talca Park before. 
Um, but the, the star, I suppose, is Saoirse Noonan. Um, and she moved from Cork City Con to Shelburne in the hope of getting rec- international recognition. And um, in front of the international manager yesterday, Vera Pell, she she scored two goals in, in, in the 3-0 win and done herself absolutely loads of favours to get into that international squad because she is a she's a real talent. Um, and on the flip side of that, Cork's loss is uh, is evident. They um they drew last week with, with Galway. Um Becky Casson got a got a late equaliser in that in, in that draw. Um but yeah they're gonna they're gonna they're, I'm not gonna say they're gonna struggle but they're they're, they're not gonna be the force of the, like they were last year and they got to a cup final as well if you can remember. But Vera Pell was busy yesterday gone she was at obviously at Turner's Cross and then she she made the, the long trip up to to Belfield Bowl to see DLR play Wexford and Carla McManus scored a, a lovely tidy uh, lovely tidy goal. Um for DLR to put them one, one nil up, Kylie Murphy, who missed a penalty last week for Wexford, um, in their defeat to P Mount, actually um, equalised. Now, little I thought it might have been offside. Um, I the goal was put up by the Women's National League um, Twitter page, and it looked a little bit offside. But uh, she's not going to care. No VAR. No VAR. <laughs> yeah. So great. Um, uh, great point. Well, I, I think Wexford might be disappointed with the fact that they. They've only got one point from the two games. I think they would have expected more from that if they're drunk, if they're going to challenge Shells and Piemont this season. And then a nice little family story at uh, at, at Lizzie Woolen um, at Laundrew Trial with Treaty, um, and Rebecca Horgan scored two goals. Eva Horgan scored one, and they come. They are sisters, so um, nice little family tie there for Treaty, and um, a f- seems like a fantastic game down there too. So yeah, really, really interesting start in the women's national league. But it all come, it all boils down to a, fant- a fantastic game in a couple of weeks' time, um, between Shells and Piedmont. Absolutely, yeah, that's uh, coming up next next uh, round of matches actually in the Women's National League. Um, so uh, goals are plenty in all uh, divisions: Premier, First Division, and the Women's uh, National League. We're going to move on now because we're joined uh, by Josh Daniels. Josh, a former Derry City and Glenavon player, now with League One side Shrewsbury Town. And Josh obviously uh, suffered a terrible tragedy five years ago when he lost his mother, sister, two nephews and his brother-in-law in in a tragic uh, drowning accident when their car went into the sea at Bunkrana. And obviously uh, we will be chatting with Josh about that uh, awful time uh, a bit later on. But first, uh, Josh, thanks a million for joining us on LOI Arena. And before we talk about anything, just tell us how's life in uh, Shropshire for you now with Shrewsbury Town? Yeah, obviously we've we've been up and down um this season, but since the the new manager Steve came on, like we've been we've been flying, especially against the top teams. Um, we've been surprising a lot of the top teams, and um, yeah, I got on the team for a while. I was I was playing wing back there. I think I started six in a row or something after not playing for a few months. Like so, I've 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 uh I've got a wee calf injury at the minute, which I'm sort of resting, but. No, I'm just delighted that I'm getting a chance, and and I hope I've I've took a chance and sort of, you know, proved that I can that I can do a role there. How have you adjusted to life since your move to Shropshire? I love the place. Like first and foremost, like the place is lovely. The people are really nice, and and I was made feel at home straight away. Um, obviously moving in a a pandemic was quite tough. Just it was, it wasn't ordinary. Like so, um, no, it's been it's been really nice and. To be honest, until I got my house and all sorted and me have a wee one now, a wee girl who's turning three this month and, and my missus, like, they never came over until September time. So until they were over, 
then I feel properly settled. Then I could get my head down and, and just really get fit and, and try to kick on and push and try and get on that starting team, man. And I suppose things may not have turned out so well for you on the pitch had, not, had you not recovered from a, a hip injury as a young boy. Yeah, like I actually didn't um, know how, how big of a deal it was. And I put up a tweet there about it after the young lad, I, I can't mind his name, it was in the FA Cup or something, like brought it up about... You no know, Perthes disease. My mother always used to say that I had it, and I can't really remember having it too much because I was primary one. Um, it was nursery going on the primary one, and I just remember always telling me stories about, you know, at break time and stuff. I was the, I had to sit in a chair, and I wasn't allowed to run in the playground. I wasn't allowed to play football. I wasn't allowed to do all the other things. And one day, my, my mother just had enough, and she just she came over to the school and just said, "Look." You can't hold him back from from doing, you know, activities. He needs he's really energetic. He needs to be out playing. It's torture, you know, for a Wayne to be sitting at, at the side of a playground in a chair in the summer days watching everybody else play. So, you know, it was one of them things where it was it was really down to my mother. And then, you know, after a couple of years, it, it, it knitted itself back together. So, I always just thought my mother, you know, spoke about it, and I never really heard of it, heard of the disease or, you know. It was always just a thing in my family. As a guy, I had it. That must have been that bad. She's blowing it out proportion, like. But um, obviously it's a serious thing, and and I was glad to see it. It sort of touched me a bit, like when that, you know, that young fellow they were they were speaking so so much about it that week, and it was good. It was good to have that awareness. And Josh, is there any um sort of ill effects now? I mean, in as you grew up and and as you were were playing later on, did did you feel any? Effect? I think, like. One of my legs, like everybody always has like a longer and shorter leg anyway, usually like, but um, one of my, my left, the hip it was, the left hip, I've had just like tightness issues where it's come the whole way through from like, I have flat feet as well. So like the hip, my hips was always first, they sort of tighten up. So I was always getting niggles in my groins and my, and my hip flexors and my lower back. Whether or not it's down to that, I don't know, but it's it could possibly well be, but um you know any medicals any scans or anything it doesn't really show up now but you know obviously i've i've had that you know on my left hip and I've, i have had like a slight bother with me me balancing you know when i wasn't getting my podiatrist you know my flat feet i always had to get things built up in my feet from my left side to be a bit bigger so it's just having that built up right and to be fair as soon as i came here i let them know i let the physios know I let them know about my feet and they they referred me straight away and I got like two of the best pairs that I could have got, you know, straight away. They they had it sorted for me. So no, it, it hasn't really affected me playing ways, I don't think anyway. Um and I haven't I haven't really ever felt anything since. So no, it's it's just one of them things, I think. It's quite common in, in young um young boys as well. So it's not so much common in gears, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that had it when they were younger as well and just battered on. I'm just thinking, actually, you'd be a great example for, for any young kid who might be troubled with it at the moment to see the way that you've gone on to make a professional career as a footballer, to see that that can be done is, is kind of an inspiration in a yeah, way. Yeah, well, like uh, like I said, I didn't know it was a big deal. You know, even until this year, I just always thought, you know, it was just it was one of them things that you just go through or, you know, some people have it and some people don't. Um, and because of that age as well, I didn't really remember back to then. You know, it was just, it was quite vague. Like, it's like distant memories, but just stories from my mother, like I said, and and knowing now that obviously the awareness was was raised, especially with that other footballer. It was just it was it was nice. Um but no, like you say, like I think at that age you just wanna you wanna go out and 
and play with your mates and kick on. And, and thankfully, it hasn't affected me, my career in football. You mentioned Steve there earlier on, Steve Cottrell, who's the manager now at Shrewsbury Town. And Steve began his managerial career with Sligo Rovers in the League of Ireland here. I don't know, have you had a chance to talk to him about his time no, at Sligo? No, not necessarily. It was more at the start. I just I knew he was at Sligo um, through my agent. He was... They know him from from that time as well in Ireland. I think it was ninety one, was it ninety nineteen ninety one? Uh, 95, so it was, 95, yeah, it was, 95. I think it was his. Was it his first? It must have been one of his first was, jobs. Yeah. 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 So like, obviously way before my time. Like, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue about back then. But I know they were Sligo were always a decent side, so I'm sure they were decent back then too. Um, but no, I haven't really spoke to him about Sligo, and obviously. He hasn't been back in since he's he's had COVID. He's been quite ill, so um, I'm sure I'll get a couple of stories out of him when he's back. Talk us through your your early part of your career before Derry City, Joshua, and, and and who you played for, and and yeah, just your football career in general before before signing for Derry. So, as a youngster, I didn't really play any underage for any underage teams up until I was about twelve, thirteen, maybe. Really? Yeah, so I played a lot of street football and like kind of always out in the streets with my mates, like sort of not even we goalposts to be honest, just generators, spraying pint on generators and, and battering off from there, just proper street football. But um, I couldn't really stay, like no one in my family drove at the time and, and a lot of clubs were quite far away from me. So it was it was quite hard to stick at a club where I was relying on other people and you know it was it was difficult at the time just from traveling reasons but like I played football through primary school and my teachers were always on to me about joining the club so the very first really memory I have was leaving leaving Derry really they go away on a football trip was with Maiden City um they done that program through school uh for the Galway Cup so they were like picking players from each school basically best players and taking them in and, and going to the Galway Cup for a tournament. And that was probably my earliest memory, which is probably Premier 5, Premier 6. But other than that, after that, then it was was top of the whole Celtic. It was my first club when I was 12, maybe 12, 13. I just went with with one of my mates from school and um, I loved it. He, like, it was us. I used to go up to his house and, um, you know, he, he was my mate beforehand anyway. So I was always getting lifted with him and, it just suited me and then I just loved the loved the club and loved the people there. Like Eamon McLaughlin was my manager and he was like a role he was just a role model for me. He was like a father figure. He used to come even after my, my mates left. They left Topple Hill Celtic then. And it was in the waterside area of Derry as well. So I lived in the city side. So it was a good 15, 20 minute drive. Like it's you know, he was going out of his way to come over and get me after they left. So he used to drive over to my house. Left me, bring me over the top of the hill, train, left me back every time we had training. So for somebody to show that, just show that commitment and faith in me, and I just I just loved the place. And to be honest, it was them then pushed me, you know, to go on and have a bit of confidence because when I joined there, I was really quiet, had no confidence. And they just they just made me fall in love with, with the actual side of the game. It was proper games and it wasn't the street football, but they still let me express myself as a youngster. Like, there was no pressures. There was no, it's just football with your mitts and enjoying it. So from there then, it was really just about, you know, going from top of hill to the foil cup teams, which helped me a lot because, you know, the, the Mill Cup was there, 15s and 17s. And I couldn't, like, to both times, 
I tried for the Mall Cup. I couldn't get in the team. Like they, they just the trials were there, and I just couldn't get in the team. And thankfully, when I was sixteen, then I, I went and I was training with Darius Academy. It was just under 19s at the time. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have a big, they didn't have the leagues like they do now. They don't have, they didn't have the under 15s or the under 13s. It was all quite, you know, older fellas and and boys that were trying to get into the dairy reserve. So went from top of hill, the dairy reserves, and just the development from from there then was was crucial and and, and was really quick how it happened. So it was going from not getting into the the Mull Cup teams in one year and just. The next year I was playing for a cup and I won it. I was captain. We we won it that we um the D and D side and I had the Mill Cup managers a year up ringing me, asking me would I come and play for the year up, and I was like no, nah, I've uh, you know I've come and play for Derry in the Foy Cup, and it was the best decision I ever made. You know I stayed, played the Foy Cup, won the Foy Cup, then went on and just from there then it was like Derry City under 19s and then just. Straight under the Northern Ireland under six or under seventeen setup with ends from that like so, it was just it was it was mad how quick it happened. Were you, were you always a winger? Yeah, so when I was younger, like again in these trials, one of the things that always stuck out to me was, um, I had ability, but they didn't have a position for me. Like they didn't know where I, they didn't know my position. So when I was younger, I used to just play everywhere and anywhere. Like I would play centre mid. And just get the ball and just try and create and express myself and do as much as I could and 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 I think back then there was no real number tens or anything you know that people were watching that probably suited me back then, um, and they weren't they they were looking for re- really quick players and you know playing on the wing quite big players I was always small, and um, yeah it was just it was one of them things where it just stuck out to me where you know uh, he's good but we don't know where we could play him we don't know where he could fit in or but I just from there and at Derry City I was just I played left wing right wing I was playing up front in the Ford Cup I was playing played centre mid for Derry's reserve for a few years as well I played in the 10 just wherever I could play to be honest I didn't mind it was always just about playing I was only just doing some research obviously and knew you were coming on and I was looking back over the Derry City wingers that have been around the club for the last 10-12 years the likes of James McLean obviously gone on to international success Paddy McCourt, obviously, Michael Duffy, Patrick McElhenney played out in the wing for Derry, Garrett McGlynn, even the like, the, Niall McGinn, Ronan Curtis. There's so many really, really talented wingers. Stephen Dooley, even when you were there too. Um, how difficult was it then to try and break into a team that had all these fantastic... I know some of them weren't around when you were there, but it's just a, they're just a conveyor belt of, of talent, really, from in those positions. It was, it was, like you say, there's so many. and I actually play with... Mc- like Na- like McGlynn, Gareth McGlynn as well when he was came back. So like, just the amount of players that that were so technically gifted from Derry and came through Derry, and all the same kind of positions as myself. It was it was difficult. Obviously, I wasn't expecting to play, but the amount of learning you get from these boys and and just seeing the way that they go about their business, especially in training every day, because I was just you know a normal 16, 17 year old, you know, and I went from basically training twice a week and then I signed my contract at Derry and I was on every day witnessing these boys at first hand basically and it was just you want to be like them like Pat and Court's unbelievable like you know yourself like one of the best players League of Ireland's ever seen um, Patrick McElhinney Mickey Duffy all good mates of mine as well so like I was just learning off these boys every day wasn't expecting to be playing but you know 
you, when you come in, you want to try and make an impression on them boys as well as the manager. So for me, it was it was a big deal. Like I was coming in and playing for me, my hometown. I wanted to impress, and it, times have probably overdone things and stuff in training when I was trying to impress too hard to them boys and stuff. But no, it was just it was surreal being in there because I was watching them in the Brandywell for years before so it was great like how tight was the um, dressing room at Derry because the thing that strikes me about Derry maybe almost more than any other club in the league is they always seem to have a lot of homegrown players in the team in the squad you know players from a mile up the road from the ground and and that's part of the key I think to the whole community aspect of Derry City yeah I think obviously you know, and there's a lot of boys too that don't really get into the first team setup that are technically unbelievable players. There was a there was a certain stage, you know, when I was coming through and before, especially with Alexa Ryan Curran, Michael Duffy, you had the two McNamee brothers as well that all came for the academy. You have boys that aren't even playing for there then. Like if you look for John Quigg and Eddie Sadak, what they brought through, it's unbelievable. Like the amount of talent that comes from Derry and, and close very close to Derry and mm. a showing. Is it's mad. Like, I don't know. It just everybody just seemed like street footballers and technical footballers. And I think that, you know, obviously the change rooms were always tight and they were always because it was all mitts. And sometimes that was probably a good thing. And sometimes it was probably a bad thing because sometimes you need you need that, you know, just about a harshness you know, instead of being mitts and going, you're going to do your job as well. So, you know, when I was in, I loved it because. Yeah, the likes of Rory Higgins and Brian Malloy and, and boys like that and Kevin Deary, proper leaders like Jared Doria, all them boys were there. So you just knew your place and you knew you were coming in, they work hard and at the end of the day you're representing Derry. And if the many you know, the many of the boys were there when I signed, like I think there was a stage where there was over over twenty over twenty local lads on the team for like three, four years, which is what you want to see. It's what you want to watch. Like if you're coming as a Derry fan, you want to see that, like so it was always tightened up and it was always like, I just, you know, it was it was a massive honour, you know, being, being able to just represent them. It must have been some crack though in the dressing room. I know Aaron McAniff and Ben Doherty are part of your, your wedding party when you got married. Um, and the likes of Dean Jarvis, Barry McNamee, Conor McDermott, all similar similar age. I'd say, I'd say you have some stories to tell as yeah, well. Yeah, it's though. just like, even the McLennie brothers as well, I was really close with them. That's who I used to come up with in training and stuff. Like Shane McLean, he's one of the funniest people I've ever ever come across <laughs> in football. Like um Olin, Mark Tomlin and stuff as well, like Michael Duffy. We, like there was just so many like boys that were close and like there's too many stories to tell. Like I, I genuinely it's just my full time at the start was just laughter and and just you know, you're going on and playing football, like I said, when you're mates and it's the best feeling in the world being able to do it and, and do it as a job and you know, it's it's one of them things that I sort of look back and regret that I didn't play more then coming up the the mid twenties and you know the stage that I just needed to to kick on because I thought I had shown glimpses at times you know I have I didn't do I wasn't as direct as I wanted to be and as a player and maybe that's what killed me a bit but you know I learned from it and it was probably you know it wasn't a, it wasn't like the best time in my career you know as football but in terms of learning and learning you know what to do and what not to do i think it's 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 done me a massive massive favor like just makes me think though conan josh um you know if if Derry city could just hold on to those players instead of losing them to the likes of dundalk and shamrock rovers and whatever what a team they'd have i know it's 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 mad like our mac and f 
Patrick McElhinney, Michael Duffy, even boys that are playing Irish like Premiership, like Ryan Curran, Connor McDermott, Patrick McLean, you have Ben Doherty, you have all these all these lads that are that are flying basically. But I think you as well. well you know what? It's not even that. Like I don't even see when I talk, I talk as a fan basically. When I'm speaking about Derry, I don't really see myself. I never really did, and and that's probably one of the things that, that killed me about like I didn't really connect as much as I should have with the fans and stuff because I was so in awe of everything. It was like I was quiet and I was like staying away from everything, but like going in and doing my work quietly. But sometimes you probably need to just take a step back and realize that you're representing your, your city and you know, you're in your, I was in awe like for the whole time, but like you said, just the players that came through that that's moved on and played for our clubs, even in the league of Ireland, you'd be, you'd be expecting the challenge and, you know, obviously people want to go and further themselves or better themselves and for different reasons, like myself and the boys that went to the Irish Premiership, you want to go and play football and if somebody else is offering you that, you know, it's 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 what you love to do, so you may as well go and do it. At that time, obviously, um, Josh, um, you know, you're looking at your career and you're playing with your hometown club and tragedy strikes um, five years ago and, and in the Bunkrana tragedy, you lost your mom and your sister and two of your nephews and your brother-in-law. I mean, I mean, it's unimaginable to be to be quite honest as an outsider looking at that for, for you at that time it must have been just so hard to keep playing I, I mean how did you first of all how did you hear about the, the tragedy that so occurred? I was actually playing a reserve game in Letterkenny that day and it was just it was the day it must have been a, a Saturday so we usually played the reserve games in the Ulster Senior League the day after the game so it would have been the Saturday or Sunday I can't even remember now but um, literally just came home and and I knew I knew my mother was was watching the the children at the time, and I came home and she she just wasn't there, so I battered on to my to my um my missus house, and just literally at at half seven maybe seven o'clock I I rang back over, and just said to my brother you know is anybody on yet and no they're not there I was like they're gone all day like you know. I wanted to see her before because I was staying in my missus' house that night, so I wanted to see them before I was going over. And literally, my sister was in a she was in a a handy at the time in, in Liverpool, and um, I just checked Facebook and the news and just seen that there was an accident in Bonkrana, whatever, and that a car went down, but there was no there was no Mac, there was no like vehicle type, there was no amount of people. It wasn't it was never like confirmed. And I just looked at my my missus and and just said I think this they were in Bonkrana the day because they usually go there for food and it must have been a Saturday or Sunday and um I said I I think this this could could be them you know I just had a wild feeling then two seconds later I had a phone call from my sister in Liverpool who was panicking about them not answering the phone and I was like. She's basically just confirmed it to me. She didn't know about the accident at this stage. She never knew. She didn't check Facebook. So I just had to say there, right, look, don't don't panic. And I just put my phone down, kept her sort of not not as on the loop as I was and just literally jumped my car and my, my missus and drove home. And to be honest, I live about 10 minutes away from, from my missus' house and I literally, I can't even remember driving back. I was that in shock. Wouldn't stop, and I was just driving through lights, whatever. Just I was shaking. Got to the house, they weren't there, and I just rang the police. Um, myself, rang the police in my mother's house, and 
I just said, look, I think my family was the family that's in the accident. And they were like, mm, let me take your details. What What do you think? How many people? What kind of car? Just explained to them. And the police were in my, my house within two minutes, three minutes. And it was obviously them. And I confirmed it. And there was a lot of hearsay even from the police like ah oh, no there's an extra man in the car there's two men in the car i was like no it's like it's not like this is the way it is and as i confirmed it i let me my older my oldest brother know and him and my older brother traveled down to the scene and, and when i was on the phone and i basically knew at that stage just in my heart of hearts and, and i just had to ring my sister because she was boarding the plane at the time just had to keep her sane the whole way home um they confirmed it and my brothers were at the scene and they confirmed it as well and basically just it was it was a bit crazy like from then on it was just blurred blurred for two three weeks and got my sister home and just just really try to look after her to be honest and and obviously Raina was the the child in the car who's um doing really well now so you know it was we were so lucky that that David was passing by as well David Walsh and and saving he's an absolute hero like so it's just one of them things, and, and even during the time of the week, as crazy as it sounds, the only thing I wanted to do was go back to training. I just wanted to get back. Yeah, just just normality, not even escaping, just just normality, because it was there wasn't much thought process at the time. I wasn't thinking about you know what happened. It was more like because it was so public and the media was all over it and. It was a hard time for my sister. Like for me, I was used to sort of media in a, in a small scale with being a footballer and just knew to sort of stay away from it and stuff. But just at that at that stage, it was more about protecting her and, and keeping her sane. And, and to be honest, it was a mad time looking back because I moved in where at that stage that night. I just moved in with my sister and it was just crazy, hectic, 24-7, non-stop people at the house and you know it wasn't it wasn't natural it wasn't normal and obviously with such a such a tragedy such a tragedy and an accident whatever it was just it was really hard for people to get their head rings in the media as well and the public so there was going to be interest and um now uh, for me just just getting back then like kenny and 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 all the all the boys at, at Derry city and and you know even the the fans and the club they all really looked after me at the time and it's one thing that i'll never forget especially and I just said they can't make Kenny and just said to him, look, I need to come, I need to come in and I need to train, I need to get back and I don't want you to treat me any differently than you, you know, than you did. I, I want to come into normality. I don't want you to be moping about with me. Like I, I remember meeting him and just, just telling him how I am as a person. It's not, not what I'm about. I don't want the sympathy from anybody. I just wanted to get on with it and, and try and get into the team because I still wasn't really playing much at the time. And, you know, obviously then I, I scored my first goal a few months later, so it was it was really really um really special time for me in the, the coming months after to just get in and play a bit more football and and I'm glad that I went back as soon as I did because like you say it was a form of a escapism like I remember playing against you a couple of months later, Josh um up at up at the well it was the Brandywell at the time now the Roy McBride Stadium and we got substituted in I knew I was coming off um and the board went up and your name your number came up as well so we got substituted at the exact same time and i remember walking very close to you not beside you but walking close to you and i was wanting to say something to you about it just i didn't know what i wanted to say 
Um, but I wanted to acknowledge it and just pass on my condolences, whatever it was. And I found it very, very difficult to even to even bring, bring up the subject. How was it for people um, close to you? Did you see people maybe like before that they chat to you and then they might be, they walk across the other side of the road because they'd find it very, very difficult to have yeah, that conversation. Like, even, even at the time of the wake and stuff, I had like, you know, I've had friends for, for basically 14 years before that. And I haven't really spoke to them since. Like I've lost friends. I've gained, I've gained a lot of friends, like, you know, close friends that I never knew I really had until that time. And until that really happened, it sort of opened my eyes. They see the real true people around me, basically. Um, for me, it's it's a bit like I don't like bringing it up as well because I don't want people to feel awkward. But my missus, my even my sister, who bear in mind, like it's it's affected her a lot more than me. Um, I joke about it a lot more than people probably think. Like you know, I'm not wouldn't take myself too seriously. People probably think I do and whatever. But like when I'm with my missus and my sister and stuff, you know, I'll I'll joke like I'm I'm quite lighthearted about it you know there's nothing i can really do you know that's going to change anything so for me like i say it i've said it openly in the past as well since it's happened i've probably had the best years of my life um i've got engaged i moved out to my first house i've had my daughter i've now moved here and and to be honest if, if it all if it hadn't happened you know i don't know if i would have kicked on with all them things straight away just give me that extra age and motivation to just do whatever i want in my life because you don't know what's going to happen and and that's one thing i'll take from that night as well people never really think you know that the things i guess can happen to them and i was one of them people and i remember listening to the, on the news about an accident that night and it could have been that accident and i was like ah it's per family i actually think my missus might have said it or read it on facebook that time and said per family when i was there and i was like you know oh, that's bad and then i just found out that it was mine so like it's one of them things where you just, it's it's not changed me. It's probably changed me for the best, to be honest. Um, and and like you say, it, it's, it's probably quite hard for other people to bring up. And, you know, but sometimes you know when people are, like, struggling to bring it up and how awkward it be. And that's when you just, like, crack a joke or, like, do something. Like, I know some people may find that, but, like, that's morbid or whatever. But, like, just for me, that's how I, how I dealt with it at the time. I mean, it's, and even we, like, Fats and Shane and all them boys, they were taking me down to the bone at the time and I was going down and they were like looking at me, they say, Right, you can you cannot go on normal, you don't have to go on normal. And I was like, No, I'm I'm fine, like I still have a crack with these, like I'm not I'm not gonna be moping about, like I'm sweet, like I can get on with it, like you know, I'm strong enough to get on with it. But it was just it was a crazy, crazy time in my life. But like I said, I've went on after it now and really like just matured as a person as a man and as a footballer and just you know i just don't take anything for granted anymore i was reading somewhere um that when you went to shrewsbury you know the way when a new player comes into a dressing room normally they have to get up and sing yeah. a stu- silly song or whatever but at shrewsbury the, the the thing was you had to get up and tell a story about yourself so obviously i mean that was the the a situation you found yourself in. yeah so it was an away trip and it was a, it must have been a couple of weeks or a couple of months after I signed, maybe two two months maybe. And um Sam Ricketts who signed me, he he knew obviously. Um he knew obviously of, of the story and whatever and the other staff because um Brian Jensen's here as a goalkeeping coach, who's formerly Crusaders goalkeeper, so he he's here as well, so he knows me. 
Um, so they knew none of the players knew. Um, I think one or two of the closer players I would be quite close to over here knew just before I told this this story because I knew it was coming. Um, but it was just an away trip, and and we were we were in a hotel, and everybody was up talking about themselves. Some boys was funny, some other boys was sad as well. And you know, I was just telling my story. Started out football quite you know similar to this, just career and you know and personal life, and it came up. And to be honest, I don't like when I'm talking here now, but I, I don't get choked up at all. But that that night, I just, I just got choked up a bit, and I was like, I don't, why am I getting choked up? I think it's the whole. It was the same when I signed here. Like I haven't, haven't really cried or felt emotional in a long time. And the first real time that I felt myself break down emotionally was in the hotel here when I signed. But it was I was just so proud to, to get here because I always wanted to get here and in, in the England and just prove how like far I could go. And growing up, that's all I said to my mother was I'm going to be a footballer and like nothing's going to stop me. Like simple as. So. I think, I don't know, I think football brings out your emotion a bit more than, you know, like, speaking about it and stuff, and, and when I come across that side, like, football's my passion, so maybe that's why, but it was just, you know, it was hard speaking in front of them all and whatever, but I think it, it gives them a bit more admiration towards me and, and my work ethic, because at Derry City, before all this happened, I always was, like, the flair player and the tricky winger that doesn't track back as much and doesn't work as hard off a ball. But when I went to Glenavon, I completely changed my game. And, and to be honest, like it's the same here now. I run the most when we're doing the, we're doing the prem runs and stuff after games. If we have to run, I'm, I'm first. If I'm running on a Saturday playing wing back, I'm first. I'm making sure that I'm I'm just doing everything in my power because I never want to have any regrets because. Like if, if someone if I if I went home now and said uh, I had the chance but I just blew it myself, if I do everything I can to stay here, if not go further than here, then that's my problem. If I can't do it, then I can look back and say, uh, you weren't good enough or you didn't work hard enough. But for me in my head, I'll always be working hard enough. Now it's there's no there's no other way for me. Like no other option. You know when you talk about uh, emotion and you spoke about um, scoring that goal for Derry City, uh, it was a local derby against Finn Harps. Um, pretty soon after the the tragedy happened, and um, when you got the standing ovation from both the Derry City fans and your big rivals, Finn Harps fans as well, that's the kind of moment I think. If I had been in your boots, I would have found myself choking yeah. up. You know, even when I scored, I was choking up. Like they were both clapping me, like like you say, standing ovation when I was when I scored, and it was on. I think it was on TV. It was on RT or or something or Air Sport maybe, and. It was the biggest crowd I played in the Brandywell. It was completely rammed. Like the fan house stand or fans were standing the whole way around too in the empty the empty part, the parts in the ground. So I came on and like I think it was the eighty second minute. So it was only a short period. They just try and get a goal and whatever and uh scored the goal and then set one up as well. So it was like this is it and then one of my mates scored against us and they were in the room and <laughs> Ryan Curran scored a header for me to the back, so I was really um, no, it was it was just this the emotion that I felt when I signed here was quite similar to that. It was um I was just proud. It was just what did I do for my sister as well and my family and, and just coming back after that that was just fully focused on football and I still am to this day. I think when you get a wee bit of reward like that it just it hits you and 
that was probably the most emotional like part of football in my life. Like it was just it was a massive, massive stage and massive time to, to get that goal. And remember Patterson ran straight to me, all the boys ran straight to me and Patterson just grabbed me and, and just turned and pointed up to the cemetery. like the cemetery's right there. You could literally see the grave from it. Like so he was just pointing up there. And it was just it was really emotional like and no, it was a, it was a class moment, like, and it was it was class to fan Herbs fans as well. Rival, rivalry aside, like, it was just it was amazing, like. You um you left full time football then at Derry City to go part time at Glenavon. Yeah. Um, why? So that year, then I was, I think it was that year I was I went back out of the team. I was I got on after that goal. I got on and scored a couple of goals within like two weeks and found a bit of form and, and thought I was going to stay on the team but there was more experienced boys there obviously at the time and it was Kenny Shields so he, he was choosing the team and I had no problems with it but like I was 20 and then I was like I need more games I need to be starting so I tried to go on loan over our off season which would have been the end of October to January and it was the loan deadline or something and, and Gary Hamilton I played against him we came back from our summer break and there I played Glenavon um, at a friendly and that, you know, because we didn't have a game. So I played in the 10 and, and Ryan McBride, all the boys playing and, and whatever. And Gary went up to Ryan at halftime and just asked him, um, who's your wee number 10? Um, I'd love him to come here. He reminds me of Paddy McCourt, blah, 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 all this. And from then on, he tried to get me on loan in October and, and there he didn't want me to go out on loan. Um, I wanted to go on loan because I wanted to play, but they wanted to keep me there, and it was off season. So I just thought, you know, this is probably the best time to go, get games, come back for Derry in January, like raring to go. And but um, just at work, and then can't even remember. I think I left that the next summer. It was maybe August, start of August time. I just I wasn't playing enough, and I was twenty one at this stage, and I just I wanted to play more games. I wasn't. I was only doing so much in training. They progressed me, me, myself, and you know, trying to get better. I was, I was having all the best training in the world, but I wasn't been able to go into a match and play ninety minutes because you know I was never match sharp. So I just wanted to go and play, and and I just out of the blue one day, no players knew, and I told my missus that morning that I'm just going to say to Kenny the day that I need to go. I just need to leave. Um, at that time, I had a year and a half left in my contract as well, and I just said to him, "Look, I want, I want you to, I want you to let me go. I, I need to, I just need to go and get games. I don't know where yet. As all, but you know, I, I need to leave and I need to go and play football. It's what I want to do, and that's what's going to make me happy. And to be fair, Kenny was was brilliant with me, and they were brilliant with me. They they waited because you know they might have thought that there was something happening or, you know, football clubs, you, you don't know which side of the business is going to, you know, they might think I had something lined up that was against them. But to be fair, I think I took four weeks, I took four weeks break. And in then four weeks, I met with Corrine and I met with Glenavon. But in my heart, I just knew that I wanted to go to, to Glenavon because it was, it was a harder option for me than going to Corrine. Um, as mad as that sounds, I just, I had it easy all my life where I was training in Derry and it was nice technical football and you're you're in and you're in with your mates and whatever but you know it, it could have been easy for me to sign for Corrine and go up 40 minutes up the road half of my mates were already there boys I knew from from living in Derry and I just I wanted a complete fresh chapter and I just wanted to go as far 
you know, a, a, a field and, and just go to Glenavon. And I went up and watched their games and I loved the way they were playing. It was different to the way I was used to playing, but I knew if I, get, if I got on and, and added that side in my game that I could just progress as a player and, and try and get more direct and goals and, and, and be creative. And to be fair, it was, as a, as a career move, it was the best move I ever made. And, and to be fair to Glenavon as well, they were they were unbelievable to me. How big of an influence was was Gary Hamilton to you in in, in as your time at Glenavon? Because I know he lo- he lo- obviously I'm there now myself, but he, he loves working with players that have the ability to resist, to manage, and overcome doubts or concerns of that prevent his teams from succeeding. He always he has that just that positive mindset and that will to win that I haven't seen in any other manager before. Um, what did he do for your career? I think it took away. Not the not the like the the flare parts or whatever the the not tracking back like I was saying like wingers that are nice in the ball but don't do the other side of the game. For me, when I when I was up and I met him, he literally said to me how it was. He was completely honest with me, which is hard to find in football. Like we a manager, like if someone tells, I would rather someone just told me straight there and then. And he he did. He just said, look, we don't play, we number tens. We don't play any fancy formations. We play four four two. He's all you'll be left mad. And and to be honest, he's all like, come on, and, and I want you to be as creative as possible when you're going forward. Do your job, but track your fullback coming back and, and, and you know, make sure that you're doing the job there. But I want you to just go and terrorize people and be as direct as possible. And I think for that, having that clear understanding from day one, it was like, that's all I have to do to keep him happy and stay in the team. Then I'll be easy to stay in this team and, like, you know, really, really kick on. But the first year, like, I played loads of games. I scored my debut, but I wasn't really scoring much goals or, or getting much good numbers after. I was playing well, but I wasn't like lighting it up. But he just he stuck by me and to be honest, that that's what I you know, what I loved the most, even when I was coming in unconfident, not playing games for a long time. He really introduced me to senior football and when when I got on then and stayed in that first season and, and he understood what type of player I was and I understood the way he worked and his teamwork then the next year then was probably my best year and really um, showed what I was about. And like you say, he had a massive, massive influence on me. And I rang him there a couple of weeks ago and I was just catching up with him again. And really, like, for a manager like him, they, they, he was a cracking player himself. So, like, just to learn from him, like, and he's still young enough as well for a manager. So, like, just to learn, like, learn the, wee, the, the traits that he had, like, you know, being crafty in the patch, like even when he was playing with us last year and the year before, he couldn't move as quick, but he was like, he could be the best player in the patch if he wanted to be and he wasn't moving. So like just using his, his experience and even the board and the chairman, they were all unbelievable with me. The kit man, Blackie, absolutely loved Blackie. Like for me, it was all like, I was going, I was going part-time and I thought this is going to be like completely different now, but like for a part-time club, they ran so well, like you know yourself, you go up, you have your kit, you have your kit washed, it's left out. At Derry, we didn't even have that. At Derry, I was taking my kit home every day and washing it myself. You know, you're 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 looked after really well. And and you know that I, I said when I met with Gary and I said we we Adrian Tier and the board that my ultimate goal was to go part time, to go full time again. I wanted to go to England or Scotland and that was my goal. That as soon as I met them, that's what I said. And they said they would accommodate that if it ever came to it and to be honest with you, like, I think if I had been at any other club, I probably wouldn't have got a move because like, there was no big fee involved. It was it was ridiculous. It, you know, 
it was probably less than what I was earning in a, in a salary year. That's how mad it was for Glenavon, but it showed you how good they were to me as a person. Like, you know, as a business, when I that, that I have to compare it, and I'm not going to knock Derry, but like when I came back from, I went on trial obviously when I was 17, just turned 18 with Everton and United, and I came back and I had no senior games with Derry City at the time. Not not a single game. Didn't even come off a bench, I don't think. And they were talking about a hundred grand release clause on a seventeen year old, which for me I was like, you know, if a local I was to go, you're thinking they would want that publicity and, you know, go ahead and we'll get our add ons or whatever. But at that time, like, you know, I think it worked out that it was a fifty grand release clause on me. And then you have the pressure that comes with that then. Like their A fans are going, This boy's like over at United and Everton and I haven't. I didn't even play a game the rest of that year. Like I didn't play one game, and it was just one of them things where that's where in football I was like, I could, I might not get this move to England or Scotland, you know, because of the business side or whatever. But that's one thing I'll say is that Glen Avon accommodated my move here. Like you wouldn't believe, and and obviously for them as a club, they see me come over and and succeed and and push on would be the biggest compliment to them, and and for me they show them because. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go as far as I can and, and just and just give success and and hopefully if that leads to Glenavon, you know you know yourself, like your eyes brought through that many young players that's went on to play in England or Scotland that that's one of the main reasons why when I looked at him I was like that's I couldn't be being led by a better man. So it's just one of them things and, and Adrian I'm I'm forever grateful and will be forever grateful to Gary and Adrian and, and Fraser and the, the full board because they gave me that platform to just go and showcase what I could do and that's all I wanted to do for from 17 to, to, to now is to go and express myself and show people how good I am. You scored for Glenavon in Europe in the Europa League against uh, Molde. That was a, must be a famous night for the club. A 2-1 win. Solskjaer was the, the manager of Molde at the time and what a what a night that must have been! It was it was unbelievable. It was um, we were actually only in pre season as well, so crazy crazy result. Got the winner against them. Holland was playing up top for them as well. He he got took off. At, he's he's fairly uh, handy, isn't he? Still not the players they have were unbelievable. There was a guy playing midfield called Eric Histad, and he was he actually scored there, and he scored in a hat trick in the return leg. And he was unbelievable. And just, I've obviously played in Europe before with Derry and got a couple of minutes here and there. But like, they score the winner that night and it's it's a it's a big night for the club. And then going to Norway was unbelievable with him. So it was just, oh, it was, it was one of them times I'll never forget. It, it was actually my child's first game watching as well. So scored a winner and she was there. Like it was, it was unbelievable. But no, it was a night I'll never forget. And, and the club obviously had a lot of success. I think when I was there, we were, we played in Europe. Was it that that was the first time I played in Europe with Glenavon? So, but they've 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 got Europe with the budget they have and the players they had brought through. What are you trying to say there with the players they have? Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> just <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. That was pre-season, so we played. We had no competitive games within the month of playing these. We played PSNI the week before in Belfast. Here, here in the championship at the time. Their pitch wasn't even didn't have grass on it because they were just doing it. We were playing the sand, like 
our Johnny Tuffy was in holidays, so we didn't have our first we didn't have a first goalkeeper. But Jamesy stepped in, done unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, done unreal. A couple of boys, like there was a few players we were missing. A few, like I think there was three players missing from the starting lineup that were on holidays that week, and we we went and bid them. You know what I mean? So like, it was just it was unbelievable. And we actually didn't have a massive crowd that night either because it was like it might have been a weekday and it was a weird kickoff and people were working. So like. One of the biggest, one of the biggest games probably in their history they've won, and it was just it, well, it was unbelievable. But no, it was I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it was an unbelievable experience. So, what does the future hold, Josh? What's your immediate ambition? Just to, to stay on Shrewsbury's team and, and try and get as much games. Um, obviously, I've, I've stepped into a new role when I signed here. I was obviously slight, signed as a left winger, and I haven't played there since I've came. So. But mad like some people might just spit the dummy out and be, be huffing about it. But came in and played centre mid for a few months. Like I made my debut against Middlesbrough in their stadium in the Carabao Cup, and I came on centre mid. Like I was like, I've never played here before in a senior game in my life. Like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna go on and just like try and express myself and wing it. But they liked me there at the time, and and they told me that's where they wanted me to play. They get more involved with the, the build up and. I was loving it because I was getting more more of the ball. And then I played as a false nine as well at one stage. I've played, played as a right-back there a couple of months ago. I didn't really enjoy it, right back, to be honest. It was a bit, it was a bit difficult. Like, but um, now we play 3-5-2 at the minute. And I got on a, at a right-wing back there for the last them six games I started in a row. And I loved it. Like It was just it, it was difficult, the learning side. You know, obviously with the coach the manager's not in so having the and because we're Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday every week there's no real contact time you know we're not going out and training all the time we're doing more passive stuff and, and watching clips and for me I had no no issues with the energetic side and, and the you know getting forward and bombing and it was more the 1v1 defending stuff and positionally when I was deeper it was going to affect me and challenge me but I'm all for it, like I'm all for playing and you know, if if I can play centre mid, right wing back, false nine, left wing, right wing, it gives me the best opportunity to play games and that's all I want to do. And to be honest, to answer your question, I just want to get in and play as much as I can and, and develop because you know, I'm I'm twenty five now, but I just feel like I have a lot more to, to give and a lot more to um to develop in my game and you know I'm over here now and I think there's no better place to do it. And, you know, I've scored scored a couple of goals, headers, would you believe as well? Just or two headers like, and um just just proving to myself really that, that I can play at this level and you know, you never know what happens if, if anything else ever came from it, then happy days. But I'm sorta of loving on the moment and I'm just loving my life here at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, you always have the ability to do really well and you could go even further, Josh. But my last, I suppose my last question that I want to ask you, I suppose you've mentioned her a few times um, in the interview. How big of a support has your partner been through through everything? Because um, you mentioned her obviously through the tragedies um, and then obviously come in, come, it took you a while to settle and then she came over and it's probably no coincidence that you're getting into the team and um, since she's been over. Um, how big of an influence has she been? Massive, probably... The biggest influence on me in my life, to be honest. Um, from from that that night that happened, like I was with her and she moved on to my sisters with me. She was with me every single day. 
she's my she is my support blanket and and just she's my wall she 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 doesn't see me as like you know as emotional and you know like i said I, i'd be quite light-hearted and joke wear and stuff so you know no i just she probably doesn't get as much praise because i you know i don't really tell her so um uh it's just one of the things like she knows she's me rock and without her and i probably couldn't have got through it as is as it is and, and like you say when she moved over i settled straight away so she's just she's been there for for everything with me and i can't thank her enough and again that's probably one of my my motivations is they just go as far as i can and and just you know give her the best life and give me my daughter the best life that you know i'm not just doing this for me like if anything i'm doing it for them and, and doing it for me my family my close family so you know it's 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 a no-brainer for me to just come over and give everything i have um and even if i failed she'd be the first person to just um pick me up and just tell me that you know i've, I've given it my best shot she's she is she's my support blanket massively and without her i don't think i would have came free even that night like the way i did she was there by my side the whole time so uh just you know i can't thank her enough and I hope she knows that too, like, because um, she's a massive part of my life and she's influenced me huge. Make sure she listens to the podcast and she'll hear all of that. The one final thought I have um, on all of this, Josh, is that um, you spoke about, you know, having this burning desire all through your life, basically wanting to play as a professional footballer and, and you know, make everybody proud. And when I think back to that decision that your mum made when you were having that issue with your hip and she went into the school and said, let, let him run around, let him kick ball, let him play. That decision that she made back then has had a profound influence probably on the outcome of your entire life. So, you know, she is there. She's with you all the time. It's not like she's... You know, she was a single parent, and there's like five or six. I think there's five of us as our team. There's there's six of us. So like, just growing up and having that that sort of powerful mother, like standard Irish mother, just really powerful, and just kept our family together the full time. And having that influence in my life is obviously rubbed off on me. Like, so I've always I've always had that as a young like as a young boy as a young footballer. I've always been the same. Like she, she would always told you that I was. She would have said I was hard headed. Like, but um, when I was younger, I probably was. But just having that desire to, to be a footballer, like my missus would say that too. Like anything I sort of say, like I said to her for years, like I'm like, what do you think? Do you think I could go to England? And there's times where she was like, I don't know. You know, it's 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 up to you basically. And it's I don't know. She she's not really a football fan, so. For me, I was like, nah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to England. I'll, you know, by hook or by crook, I'll get there. If it's, it's not gonna be for the want to try. And so, I've just always had that. And and like you say, it's obviously could go back to that that stage. You know, if, if I hadn't got out there and and she hadn't told the teachers that you know you have to let him enjoy his childhood and run around with his mates, like might never happen. But I've always been that that fighter, and and so was she. So I've definitely definitely pick up that trade from her well listen congr- congratulations on the season so far which was I noticed you scored against Gavin Bazunu yeah. by the way in that uh, game against Rochdale a couple of weeks ago um, continued success with Shrewsbury thanks a million for giving us so much of your time yeah. tonight uh, Josh it's been a real real pleasure talking to you and thanks so thank much thank you for having me thanks Josh cheers
Thanks a million, Josh, um, again for for joining us on the program. Um, and Conan, just listening to Josh there, um, when you think about what he has been through, he's kind of shown amazing resilience, hasn't he? The, the fact that he's been able to dust himself down and get his career going, and he's got a good career now at Shrewsbury Town. Unbelievable, Con. Um, strength of character, his positivity, his mentality. Um, like I remember my first again, like I, I mentioned there earlier on about. Um, when I saw him on the, going on the pitch a couple of months after the incident, and I couldn't speak, I couldn't speak, I couldn't say what I wanted to say to him. You know, I didn't know Josh at the time, obviously. Um, and then when I went into the dressing room, then, um, and sp- and spoke to him, it was like he's just such a down to earth bloke. He's just an absolute. This gentleman. is when he was at Glen Avon. This is when sorry, this when he was at Glen yeah. Avon. Yeah, yeah. And, um, just a, but like take all that aside, what a wonderful footballer he is as well. And um, it's great to see that, as I said, he's put that, I'm not going to say he's put it behind him, but he's used that to to get him to where he is today. And um, I just wish him all the best, Con. I really do. He's just a, Absolutely. a, a wonderful person. Yeah, we'll follow his uh, progress with Shrewsbury as the uh, season goes on over there. Not too long to go in the season, of course. A long way to go here. But into week four, Conan in the Premier Division, two matches on Friday night, St. Pat's against Derry City. Big game for Derry now. Uh, and the other one, I think the standout maybe fixture of the weekend, Dundalk against Bowes at Oriel Park on Friday night. Then on Saturday, three matches, Finn Harps against Waterford. So that's another long journey for Waterford after their trip up to Derry uh, this weekend. Uh, Longford against Drogheda. And Sligo Rovers against Shamrock Rovers on Saturday night. That's another cracking match to uh, look forward to. Dundalk Bowes, you know, the they don't want to lose battle. that. <laughs> well, I saw some look people at... saying that on Twitter. <laughs> hey, um, you'd love to say that, wouldn't you? You'd love to no, say no, that. No, 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 I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that neither team going into that game can really afford to lose. No. Um, and both managers will be dying for that for down for that win um both on the on the back of two defeats um now as i said earlier i know um shane keegan has been delighted with the performance of his of dundalk similar to what keith long was pretty impressed with with bo's performance albeit they didn't neither team picked up a, a result so look someone's going to have to do something um and by all account but i'm i'm gonna put my neck on the line here and 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 say that i think dundalk will get the victory just from the, the the performance against Sherman Crawford, I thought it was really really good. Lucky not to not to get three points, let alone one up in Tala, Being totally honest, so um, yeah, I think Dundalk will will come out on top in that one. Yeah, so do I. I, I was impressed with Dundalk, even though they they and I can see. I, I heard that interview with Shane Keegan after the game as well, and I can see why he's taking some positives from that because I mean they have so many good players and they are creating chances and. You know, they do have Sonny to come back into the defence as well, which will just add that extra bit of uh, solidity there, I think. And, they're, and, they're go- and their, their front man is scoring goals. So it's two and two for Pat Hooban as well. So that's good. That's going to give him a lot of confidence as well. Just want to have a, a quick shout out to Brian Gartland. Con- just hope he, uh, he's going for a scan on Tuesday um, on that uh, terrible injury that he suffered on, on, on Friday in the game. So um, from all of us here, we wish him well. Absolutely. Hopefully it's not as serious as it looked. It, um, it's always a concern when you see so many medics on the pitch around a player and, and uh, we wish Brian all the best uh, with that. Um, St. Pat's on Derry on Friday night then as well. On Saturday, that, I suppose the standout game on Saturday is at the showground, Sligo Rovers and, and Shamrock Rovers. It is, absolutely. Um, so is it, what is, is it Rovers against Shams, Con? Is it, is it Sligo against Rovers? Is it... 
I, I nearly swore at you there. You know, I came really close. I, I mean, it's a podcast, so I'm allowed to swear, I suppose. But um, let's just call it Sligo Rovers against Shamrock Rovers. I'll yeah, no, no, no problem at all. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated for this. I think th- this is the game that I'm most looking forward to over the weekend, Con, because I want to see how uh, Sligo, yeah, they've done well. They're seven points from nine. Um, picked up a result, a point against Dundalk at the start, start of the season. They should have won it. Um, they haven't really been tested, is what I would say. And I'm really, really looking forward to see how they got on now against um, against Shamrock Rovers. And um, yeah, I've been impressed with them. I've been impressed with with um, Gary Buckley at the back, um, going from his familiar number ten or number ten, number eight role in, in midfield, um, back to the centre half with John Mahan. John Mann's like a new signer from this season, considering the injuries that he had last season. Um, and Johnny Kenny has been. I think just Johnny needs a goal now at this stage just to to to, to really get his confidence going. But he's flying, absolutely flying. And um, yeah, really, really good to see Sligo doing so well considering the start that they made last season as well. Um, so they've picked up where they've left off towards the end of the season. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how Shamrock Rovers do. Shamrock Rovers do have a good record down in, down in uh, the showgrounds though in the last couple of years. Yeah, although prior to that they didn't, so we'll see. Um, but that's that's definitely a really good game to look forward to on uh, Saturday night. Uh, in the first division, week three in the first division, UCD against Bray, which uh, again, two of the fancy teams, Shells take on Wexford, you fancy Shells in that one, I suppose. Cork City against Athlone Town is an interesting game. Cabin Teeley, top of the table against Galway. Can Galway bounce back after the defeat against Athlone? And Treaty United at home again against uh, Cove Ramblers. Cabin Teeley, Galway United, an interesting one. I think the Cork uh, Athlone game, given especially what you were saying earlier on about Athlone, that makes that very interesting too. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will expect a Cork Cork to win, um, without kind of realizing what's where both clubs are at the moment. It's kind of like the inexperience of Cork against the experienced outfit of Athlone. Mm. So um, now I know Cork City have the likes of Mark McNulty, Stephen Beatty, Garold Morrissey, yes, King Coleman. These are all experienced players, but they also have very, very young players that have only had a handful of first-team games. Um, and Athlone, on the other hand, are the opposite. They don't have many players that have had so little first-team games. And um, as I said earlier on, these players have a point to prove down in, down in Athlone. And um, they're proving that at the moment with, with, the, with the way they've come back at, at at the Belfield Bowl, scoring a ninety-four last kick of the game um, equaliser in the first uh, round against round of games against uh, UCD, and um, pick it, and then la- obviously Friday that fantastic win over John Caulfield's Galway. So yeah, I wouldn't write off at Lowndown and getting a result down in down in Cork. I think UCD Bray is probably the standout fixture of the weekend. Um, re- like obviously, I fancied UCD to be at Lowndown on, on the on the first night of the season. Um. A lot of people just seem. I think it's because of the players that they they may have. They kind of write off UCD's chances, or they don't talk about UCD as much as the likes of Shelburne, Bray, Galway, um, those type of teams. And it's um, year on year, they everybody does it. But um, Andy Myler and Ian Ryan in there now. They're uh, two very very up and coming coaches, um, and yeah, don't write off UCD either. Four, magnificent four 0 win as you talked about earlier on in Cove. And um, I'd be no surprise to see if them pick up points against Bray. Yeah, I might try and get along to that game. Uh, the Women's National League takes a, br- a break uh, next week. When it does come around to week three, though, the standout game will be P-Mount against Shelburne. That's going to be an absolute belter of a match um, that's pretty much all we have time for by the way if you want to get in touch with us uh, as I was saying earlier on if you hashtag LOI Arena on Twitter um, 
loi at punditarena.com is the email address if you want to drop us an email about anything. I know one or uh, something, I was going to say one or two, a few people had a couple of issues last week and apologies for that, uh, registering on the uh, Pundit Arena website. Those uh, glitches, we hope, have all been sorted out during the week. So you should have no problem. Uh, punditarena.com forward slash loi. Uh, if you want to become a member uh, down the road, uh, it'll be three ninety nine a month less than a euro a week as i said last week um and on twitter it's at loi underscore arena so we'd love you to get involved with the conversation with us we will have a few um it, things like competitions coming up down the uh, road as well some fans we hope to talk to uh, but that's pretty much it uh, for this week conan uh, lots of games to look forward to next week it's going to get cold for a few days at the start of the week but i think it's going to warm up later on in the week it was bloody cold at uh, Tala the other night i had the long johns on and they did the trick but uh, hopefully the sun is shining and uh, hopefully the the joys of summer soccer will be upon us in the uh, coming weeks so lots to look forward to it's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks already um, and we're only two three weeks into the season so uh, onwards and upwards onwards and upwards come. Good luck. <laughs> so you going on? Oh, that's all you're waiting for you to say goodbye. Oh, sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll have to work out our routine. And it's, it's good night from me and it's good night from him. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a nice landing. Onwards and upwards. Finish. Good luck. <laughs> I'll talk out. to you next week, Conan. Take Thanks a minute. Bye. Bye bye.